Hey, you listening to this podcast right now. Did you ever think, man, there's so many kick-ass market research podcasts. I wish there was some sort of an award for them so I could vote for my favorite. Well, you're in luck. In partnership with Greenbook, Little Bird Marketing is excited, well, actually ecstatic, to announce the first ever annual Market Research Podcast Award. Nominate your favorite Insights Industry podcast from now until February 15th. From February 16th until March 31st, vote for your favorite podcast in the Insights Industry and bestow upon them the title of MR Podcast of the Year. Don't forget, Submissions are due for nomination by February 15th, and the winner will be announced on April 15th at Greenbook's IIEX North America in Austin, Texas. Visit littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash MR hyphen podcast hyphen award. Welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Today I have with me Chris Hole. He is a senior client officer for Ipsos out there in Cincinnati. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Priscilla. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, I am. It was really nice getting to see you several times this last year and having really some pretty interesting conversations out there and what, you know, for us road warriors out there at the (laughs) conferences. Absolutely. Yeah. So let me tell people a little bit about you and then let's just run into talking about some of these interesting, um, interesting conversations we've been Mm -hmm. having. So, so Chris is a marketing and insights professional. He has over two decades of experience. He's been on the client side. He's uh, been in brand management roles and he's been at companies like P&G and Shell and on the age agency insights and strategy side. He's been at Cantar and Ipsos. So he's currently over at Ipsos, like I said. Um, But, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, this interesting wide range of experience and how this really brings an awful lot of um, very broad perspective to the work that's going on uh, right now at Ipsos. So I think that's what's going to be really the interesting nugget here. But I'll give you a little bit personally about Chris. Um, before he, you know, came into the business world, he was an officer in the U.S. Army. So, you know, I'm I'm kind of a um, uh, a little bit more of a whimsical person. So, Chris, I'm kind of surprised. <laughs> um, he is a fighting Irish with Notre Dame, and um, his background is a B.A. in government and international studies with, get this, a certificate in philosophy politics and economics. And now I fully understand why we're friends. (laughs) (laughs) So it all makes sense in the end. Absolutely. (laughs) Awesome. Well, we've had some great conversations. um, And so I just want to kick this off really, really because, Christopher, you come to these conversations with such a broad perspective, having seen it from both the client side and the agency side. Mm -hmm. And one thing that you and I talk about a lot is some of the 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 trauma and the drama that happens when companies <laughs> silo things. So absolutely, you know, tell me, and then you work at Ipso. So let's start mm-hmm. there because that is, in some ways, a siloed environment. So tell me about how silos are functioning within your organization and how they help because we usually just talk about how they hurt. <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's it really is a double-edged sword. I, I mean, these silos don't just come up because companies want to make themselves difficult to work with or, or to work within. Um, when they work well, honestly, I believe it comes from the desire for driving specialization. And I think in in the market research insights community over the last, you know, 
10, 15 years, there has been this movement more toward specialism, uh, toward making sure that you weren't out there in the market as a as a generalist, as a as a custom ad hoc company that could do a little bit of everything. Um, they we found that on the certainly on the client side, and now on the agency side, I, I see this from clients as well. They want people with deep expertise in certain areas, whether it's around innovation or customer experience or user experience or or brand strategy and so on. So these companies develop these these specialisms, and the challenge that you always run into with this is when you develop a depth of expertise in a given area, you run a risk of creating a silo. Mm-hmm. And um, the, so the silos, I think, are sometimes a natural outgrowth from the fact that you want to develop a, a community of, of like-minded people who have a way of, of thinking about how brands grow, how how communications should be developed, how innovation should happen. Um, and building that depth of expertise, if it's not in some way integrated with other disciplines or other specialties or or with the ability to, to look across the breadth of a, of a client's business – they can become very insular. And I, I think that's where there's a problem is when silos become insular and you start developing in kind of incomplete or imperfect solutions for, for the challenges that, that your client's facing. Right, right. So really what you're saying there is somehow if a specialty gets so far down really mm-hmm. kind of a rabbit hole where they're not able to really see all of the data that's been aggregated mm-hmm. by the by the company – then they're not really – they may be getting great, very deep insights, but they mm-hmm. may not be getting deep insights that are related to truly mm-hmm. all of the facts. Absolutely. I think that that's one critical issue. I think the other is that without that ability to, to look across the breadth of, of the data that are available um, or the, the breadth of, of, the, of the question that, that a client has um, – you often find yourself if, if I'm if I'm calling on a client and I'm an expert in in innovation and mm-hmm. the client comes to me with a with a challenge I'm going to figure out a way to to frame that challenge as something that I can answer through my innovation expertise even if the question is a customer experience question or a or a brand question it's it's the old adage that if all I've got's a hammer everything is a nail <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Um, so that's the other challenge to this is is making sure that that especially companies like Ipsos and, and others who have a breadth of specialisms, it's how to organize yourself in a way that you bring the right expertise, the right specialism to bear for the client for the given question that they have at that time, mm-hmm. as opposed to force fitting their question into what you happen to know really well right. in, in your in your narrow area. So you may have a project going on where you are working with one particular team at Ipsos only to realize, oh wait, 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 we need to bring some of these other teams in or other department heads or mm-hmm. other, you know, to get this insight. So let let me understand then a little bit of your day to day as a senior client officer because that to me smacks of someone who's at the top who needs to be having, you know, the the big picture in mind at all times. How do you effectively then mm-hmm. get the the benefit of all these specialisms and in that sense siloed environments? But yet how do you stay above that fray? Tell me about the day-to-day sure. aspects of that. Absolutely. You know, I, I think one of the things that Ipsos has done over the last couple of years in its in its most recent structural design and strategy, which we call total understanding, 
is developing this client organization that I'm a part of. And and our responsibility, uh, as you kind of alluded to, is to sit outside of the various service lines that we have, the specialisms that, that we have. And, and our responsibility is twofold. It is to be an expert on the client and on their business issues and be able to adequately reflect what those questions and what those issues and challenges are into our organization, into Ipsos, so that we have the right solutions. But it's also, obviously, to advocate for what Ipsos's solutions are in, in answering those questions for clients. So we are really meant to be this connection point between all of these th- this deep expertise that the various service lines that Ipsos has you know, possess and the client's business issues. So we have to know enough to be dangerous about our various <laughs> offers. We we need to we need to understand at a broad level the the kinds of business questions and challenges that are best answered by our approaches to to segmentation or to innovation testing or to using behavioral science or qualitative, whatever it is in our in our various services, um, so that when we're talking to our clients. Our job is is really not to necessarily drive a specific solution to the client. It is to listen. It's to understand what their business challenges are and then to figure out where within the Ipsos suite of solutions we have the right tool or tools for the, for the job. And also, to be honest and say, for this particular question, we're not a good fit for you. Interesting. Um, and I think that that's another big part of our of, of the client team's responsibility. Obviously, we always want to try to be the right solution. You know, we're, we're in the business of, of making money yeah. just like everyone else is. But <laughs> I know. We also, <laughs> this, is not, but, this is not a bad thing, Chris. It's no, okay. <laughs> absolutely. But, it, but it's also incumbent on us to be good stewards of, of our clients' issues and, and to help them understand that if, for example, if I were to tell a client that I don't think we're the right solution for a given challenge, the next time I go to them and say that I think we are, they're going to trust me a little bit more, mm-hmm. that I'm not just going to that, – that I am truly trying to think about what's in their best interest. Because mm-hmm. if I do that, that's going to set them up more successfully mm-hmm. you know, for the long term and, and set us more successfully mm-hmm. with them. Okay. I, I hope I don't put you too much on the spot with this. But I, let, me, let me kind of preface my question and then get into my question. So – I love what you're saying about how we don't force our solution um, and this idea of, well, you have to listen, that there's objectivity here. You know, we don't want to get in the way of really what needs to happen, however we perceive things. But we are both social scientists. (laughs) We know that humans can't help but get in the way. We have a completely, you know, emic point of view. We Uh have a very difficult time extracting ourselves from the assumptions that we have. Uh (laughs) Our brains um, run at a pace even before. So even if we think we're making a logical decision, I think we all know in that sense we're not. (laughs) And so what I'm asking, and I would joke around and say I'm asking for a friend, but I'll be candid. I'm asking for me. (laughs) Um, There's kind of two elements here. I'd like to here if you have any tools that you use to kind of check yourself to mm-hmm. see if you're just kind of making assumptions uh, on on that and I have a second question but let's talk about that first mm-hmm. do, do you are there any kind of mantras or I, I don't know what I'm digging for yeah. but how do you <laughs> test yourself you know or or how do you constantly remind yourself to be in that active listening mode and not making a, a decision too quickly? Yeah, it's it is such a challenge. You know, we we are in a 
in an industry that prides itself on creative problem solving. Mm -hmm. And so you want to identify the problem, you want to define the problem, and you want to come back with with that solution very quickly. Um, what what I have found over the the last few years um, that has really worked well for me is is a um, is an approach that that uh, is is just it's called suspend your agenda <laughs> and and it, it seems on the face of it to be so counterintuitive that that you need to stop and and try not to interpose yourself and, and what you're trying to achieve into the conversation um, because as as people who are part of selling organizations our, our our natural instinct is is to be very aggressive and 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 um and and bring our solutions to bear and, and in a very compelling way create that sale. But what 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 I find is if, if you if you back off of that, if you if you force yourself to back off and it it, it takes practice and it mm -hmm. takes it, it takes a bit of discipline. Um, mm -hmm. by and it starts with making sure that you've really unpacked the the, the situation, the the what, and mm -hmm. and from the client's point of view, not from yours, and you want to check your assumptions. Uh, it's it's um it's, it's those active listening approaches of mm -hmm. asking good questions, trying not to lead the witness, right? <laughs> pl playing back what they're what they're saying, and and really grasping that really well, and understanding not only what the challenge is and what are the implications of the challenge, but if you if you get that right, you know, mm -hmm. if you if you that's how you really identify the problem as objectively as, as a human being can. Right, right. Um, and then when you're coming back with, with some what-ifs or some scenarios about what what you or your company can do, you've done that because you've really grounded yourself well in, in the client's question. And, and it's they can then perhaps better understand why you think what you're bringing forward is the right solution for them because you've kind of jointly sussed out exactly what those challenges are. Right. I love I love that repeating back to the client. So yeah. you know, let me hear, let me tell you what I'm hearing, um, mm. but I'm going to use that as the mantra. So this is the gym from Chris Hole <laughs> yeah. here. Is it suspend your agenda? And I like that yeah. because it is just a retelling us. You know, ourselves. Mm. We're telling ourselves. Just be aware you have an agenda, even when you think Absolutely. you don't. You know this, it, like it's bringing uh, really. I guess it's really your your frontal lobe back online and saying, <laughs> "Hey, you know, pay attention right now. You do have an agenda. Let's suspend it for a minute. Can we do it?" Um, I love absolutely. That. And, and what you find in, in the process of doing that, one thing that that I've found that's been interesting is. You may first get a very rudimentary question, or or what you think is a relatively simple question from a client. But if, if you if you do this really well, you start to understand more about some of the the challenges and some of the the politics behind the questions, mm. some of the business issues, <laughs> internal and external behind the question, so that you can understand the con the broader context in which whatever you're trying to do for the client exists. You know, you, you find that that there's a very that they want to move very quickly because there's a competitive entrant that they're trying to preempt and this has the general manager and the president's attention so there's a lot of politics to it that leads to a very very different approach to how we would support than if it's something that is just done on crash timing right right <laughs> you know? absolutely um, so it, it, but again it's so counterintuitive but by suspending <laughs> your agenda you actually advance your agenda more effectively oh, uh, i than, love than, that that's than, beautiful than yeah, yeah that's really beautiful let's take a quick break so i can tell you about this show's sponsor Hopefully you've noticed, social selling has fundamentally transformed the way consumers gather insight, journey through the buying process, and eventually make purchase decisions. 
For successful business professionals who need to meet company growth goals, the new roles of social selling excellence must become second nature. Join me on Wednesday, April 8th in downtown Chicago for a full day intensive workshop where participants will begin their own journey to transform their mindset and actions online. Attendees will leave with an actual roadmap for success in building their own firm and sustainable lead generation through proper use of LinkedIn and social selling techniques. For more information, visit littlebirdmarketing.com forward slash DLA hyphen Kickstarter hyphen Chicago. This is a limited engagement, so get your tickets today. This will give you the hands-on training that will get you on an immediate path with an actionable plan to increase your digital selling skills. See you there. So I would like to point out, though, this is why I do think it's a great idea that you have a certificate in philosophy and politics, (laughs) right? I have a degree in cultural anthropology. I do believe that prepares me better for being a marketer. (laughs) So these are like, you know, actual uh, educations that actually probably do a lot better, you know, in, in application in our worlds of market research and marketing. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that's really true. As, as much as people talk a lot about about the quantitative side of of things, and, and there are actually some some great organizations like Quants and Poets that talk about the, this back and forth between um, between the the methodological and the and the quantitative side and mm-hmm. and the more kind of humanities side. But at the end of the day, what market researchers do is we interact with other human beings <laughs> to solve problems <laughs> that help them create goods and services that human beings typically want to buy. So it's all about understanding, you know, human motivations. Mm -hmm. And uh, um, having had a grounding in in the liberal arts, I think, really kind of helped me – Take a different approach than if I had come at this from a from a, a hardcore statistics background. Right. There's obviously a place for that as well, but again, it's about that integration. I can't yeah. be siloed as a humanities person <laughs> any more than someone should just look at a, look at things totally in terms of what their p values are and and their 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 there are squares. Right, right. I love that humans. You know, they're just everywhere. Yeah. What's That's up? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my second part of that question is this next piece of how you go about mm-hmm. then bringing that information to your team so that your specialized people can really bring their expertise to bear. Right. But this is also, again, I, I won't couch it as asking for a friend because this is really a deep problem for me. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I are the big picture. We're out. We're, you know, we're in that sense senior client officers. We're talking with really getting to the bottom of what the problem is for the client, how it presents, how it persists. You know, and and, Mm -hmm. and really trying to understand, well, what is the problem and not make our assumptions. But then you get these deep understandings of it. How do you translate that, this this great understanding? You've been active listening and you got Mm -hmm. the goods. How do you bring that back to the team so that you Mm -hmm. can get the best out of all of the different lenses and all of the different expertise on your team without it Mm -hmm. becoming like a game of telephone. And well, they told me this (laughs) and now, now you code it with your lens and it goes back to your team and it, and it gets distorted. So, Mm -hmm. so tell me a little bit about that reality. Sure. I I think that there are a couple of things that, that I try to do to, to help with that. Um, One is that with, with the clients that I work with, I have a, a, a standing team of of experts in in the service lines that that we generally think are are the right service lines to to bring forward to that client. So we're we're kind of task organized, for lack of a better term. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we we act as a bit of a steering committee for for that client, and we meet on a very regular basis 
about the the work that we're doing for for the client about you know what we see in terms of what the client's doing based on what we see in the press or with their stock price or most recent investor calls all those sorts of things so so we we all try to to ground ourselves in the client broadly speaking not just in 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 our in our areas but when i have these these conversations with clients um or they reach out with a with a question or or, or an rfp or or things like that that team you know we will i will more often than not i will summarize my conversation with the client and and send that to the team so you know here here are my notes and i mm-hmm. i will i will try as much as i can to to be as objective with with those notes and not not lead the witness but say this is what i heard uh, and right. and then we will get together and sometimes it's very straightforward you know they they want to understand how well their creative um should should work in market so it's a relatively straightforward response but things that are more complicated um what what i find is by having that conversation with the broader group everybody has a chance to to come in with with their point of view um in terms of what they think they they can and can't do the the trick here is that we always also have to kind of keep in mind that if we're not careful we're going to over-engineer um ah, okay tell me more about that what what do you, what do you mean well you know i think if um if there's a really good meaty question around um, around segmentation, let's say mm-hmm. you know the, the, the client's really wanting to understand um, how their yeah, how their audiences or how their how their their, their market you know segments into into different groups based on behaviors or attitudes or, or what have you, you know we're going to have conversations around maybe we should do some qual before or or after to to help shape this or to or to help really understand the, the groups. Um, Maybe the questions are around segmentation from an innovation standpoint. So here's how, from an innovation standpoint, we would think about designing the the instrument. Or, well, maybe it's about brand positioning. So maybe it's about innovation and brand positioning. So you start having all these, all these different <laughs> surface lines, having their their points of view. And a lot of times they work really well together. But sometimes you can you can really create a a, a Franken deck right, <laughs> for, right. for, for, for clients. <laughs> um, so the other thing that we have to kind of keep in mind is. We we have to be good stewards of of, of the the clients' budgets uh, right. as well, and and that's again where where my role as a client officer comes in is you know to to be as much as I can be a bit of a of an honest broker and say that there there are times when we need to lead with with a particular solution, and so a, a given service line might might get the revenue for lack of a better term for that for that project. Mm-hmm. But everyone understands that the next time, if I think another service line has the right solution, we'll go to them. Right. So, um, but I think that the key with all of that is transparency. It's 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 based on what I heard, based on the conversations with the client, based on what I'm hearing from 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 everyone. Here's how I think we should respond. Here's who I think should be involved with our response, and and here's how we we can do it where we can bring that 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 great combination of our expertise to bear for the client, but at a budget that is going to, you know, make us competitive, right, right, help us do it profitably, but also more importantly, deliver a different and better outcome for the client. Well, I love that. Basically, you're you're saying that as the senior client officer, that your job really is to connect to the expertise that mm-hmm. is across the company, but to do so in a way that saves time and money. And we know mm-hmm. sometimes those are exactly the same thing: time right. and money. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, still, with keeping that focus on actionable insights from the work. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Well, I will. I'm, I'm, I want to ask one last question about your day to day, and I'm just going to mm-hmm. preface this by saying, you know, we're a huge supporter of uh, of Wire uh, Women in Research. It's always mm-hmm. free to join. I see Ipsos at a lot of those <laughs> events, and I, I, I love the support you've given over the years to that. But mm-hmm. I I also you know am just aware of a lot of times we get into these very deep MR conversations, mm-hmm. and we have a lot of younger people who listen to these conversations who are just getting into the industry. So mm-hmm. when we say something like, you know, there's a generalist approach and there's a specialist mm-hmm. approach. Just for the benefit of some of the people who are younger in the industry and are really trying to learn and find their place in it, because you are so experienced, can you break down a few of those? What would you say are the generalist, you know, uh, approaches? What are the quick and easy, like these are the tried and true, we know these are kind of baseline what we need to do. And then what would you say are some of the specialists and maybe even call out maybe a few new specialties that have come up, uh, emerged recently in the industry? Sure. Yeah, I think when there are a couple ways to to think about generalism. Um, one is is having kind of a cursory understanding of of, of the various different specialties. Um, so something that's you know kind of broad but but somewhat shallow. If you think about like a you know almost like a T, you know where specialisms are the stem of the T and generalists are kind of the cross of the T. So part of it is it, part of generalism. I think is is having a, a good understanding of um, quantitative approaches, survey design, just good good structure of, of, of a survey, how to ask a good question, how to how to develop a, a good questionnaire, how to develop a good analytical plan, how to how to think about um, you know how to generate the most insight, you know, quantitatively and, and, and qualitatively, how to develop a, a, a good discussion guide, um, whether it's in a virtual environment or or in a in a traditional you know, re, you know, qualitative research facility environment. Um, so there's there's just kind of fundamental blocking and tackling skills, as well as understanding broadly speaking how clients tend to and, and how companies tend to evaluate new products, uh, new advertising, how they try to understand um, consumer attitudes and perceptions and 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 behaviors and habits and, and practices. So those are kind of the 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 generalist grounding. I, I think when you get to specialisms, um, there are so many interesting things that, that, that are coming up nowadays. You know, certainly data science right now, I would say, is is a bit of a specialism. I think it's going to become a generalist requirement in, in the industry. Yeah. Um, because data science really, in, in, in the way I look at it, it, has two big buckets. One is the ability to integrate disparate data sets in, in a certain way, how to, how to use code to, to bring all these different data sets together into one place and, mm-hmm. and, and to curate it in a way that you can then do the second part of it, which is deriving insight from it and, and separating the, the signal from, from the noise that those sets can often have. So I think data science is a specialism now that's going to become more broad scale. Um, I think behavioral science is something similar to that. Um, there are so many conversations around um, – around implicit and explicit ways of thinking or uh, in traditional social science, the way that habits form, the way that um, that people make decisions, uh, all the way through to, to things like understanding neural pathways and, yeah, and, and, and things like that. There's, there's been so much going on there, and some of which is, has been scaled, some yeah. of which is still somewhat, somewhat niche. Um, but there are also just really great specialisms coming up in terms of the use of of, um, of social media um, beyond what a lot of clients have been doing for a lot of years uh, in terms of understanding 
the effectiveness of their social media campaigns and their digital campaigns and, mm-hmm. and how many likes and follows and retweets and, mm-hmm. and such like that, but also, you know, how to create signals of, of consumer understanding from these from these large unstructured data sets. And, right. and what, what does it what all do mean? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Great. So a lot of people liked it. Um, a lot of people <laughs> talked about it. What did they say? Was it good? Was it on strategy for what we wanted them to take away from it? Right. You know, all of those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, as well as just ongoing understanding of of um, what good creative is, what mm. what a brand needs to do in a highly fragmented environment. Um, understanding how consumers and how people change when they are viewing an advertisement versus shopping versus using a product um, and and how those different contexts and how does a brand create a consistent experience across all of those things when you know traditionally we've thought of people as a consumer or as a shopper or as a user when it's the same person just in different contexts and, and how you bring those things together well this is this is like the, the you just struck an absolute nerve and that is like that is the very basis of I think the most frightening challenge everybody is facing and what you said it directly out what is the, what does a brand need to do in a highly fragmented market that's yeah. just basic reality now absolutely <laughs> it was the the communications questions the brand building questions were very different when it was three networks on terrestrial right. tv yeah. um <laughs> you know and uh uh so it's 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 very different and yeah, you know, the, the the interesting thing about it is the fundamentals haven't really changed. At the end, you're still trying to to attract and retain, you know, buyers. Right. <laughs> and, get, and if they're if they buy you, have you have them buy you more frequently? Ah, right. um, <laughs> oh, humans, the, they're everywhere. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> there it is again. But but the means the means change over over time, and, and right. the means that we have to use to understand the context in which they make those decisions have to change as well. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, you've had a really interesting career. And so it, kind of getting off market research and um, and and those the approaches that we can take to market research and understanding brands and consumer uh, sentiment. Let's move over to kind of career stuff. Can you give us a piece of horrible advice <laughs> that you received <laughs> um, and some piece of great advice? Like give, a, give us sure. the, the two sides of the coin. Sure. So um, – some of the worst advice I, I received, on the face of it, it's not going to sound that bad, but I'll explain. Um, I, I had a manager who who believed very strongly that success in, in your career was about taking your boss's priorities and making them your own. Mm. And on a certain level, that's right. Um, it's a good survival technique. Uh, but what I have found is that interesting is that people who I've seen who've been most effective in their careers actually did a really good job of taking their priorities and making them their bosses. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and so I, I would say that one challenge, especially if you're talking again to, to to folks who are entering the the industry, is it's always good to have that kind of give and take between what you're hearing from from your your management or, or your leadership and what you see yourself, and 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 having kind of a a bit of a dialogue or a dialectic between those two things, um, because if if you just do one. You're just parroting the company line. It groupthink can come out of it, and 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 no innovation really happens because you're just you know you're just following you know following orders. Right. Um, but I think some of the best advice I got was actually from a from a boss who um, was was had had been a brand manager and a market researcher as well. He'd he'd been an engineer um, before that, and he he said you know the work we do is is like a gas or a vapor. It will expand to fill whatever volume you leave for it. This is around mm-hmm. work-life balance. Mm-hmm. He said, so you know, understand that however much 
room you give in your life for the work you do, the work's going to take up that space. Mm. But also understand if you if you reduce that space, you increase the pressure and the oh, heat. That's interesting. <laughs> so kind of the ideal gas law of, of, of how, to, how to use your time. So basically the laws of physics still apply. Absolutely. <laughs> what Absolutely. we're saying. Well, Absolutely. kind of in that, you know, here's yeah. another concept. What about leadership that mm. can, you know, understand that, yes, you they, they have their goals that need to be met, but mm. how can they also wrap their goals around their employees' goals Absolutely. and integrate them? And, and hopefully we're coming into a different era of leadership there. So, mm. well, really quick on a rapid fire, we like mm-hmm. to end trying to help people introduce them to other ways to to mm-hmm. learn and grow. And these mm-hmm. don't have to be market research related. Sure. But how about you? Are you a podcast listener or do you have a favorite podcast? I've gotten into it a lot more. Certainly, you know, the Ponderings and the Perch and as well as Data Gurus with some of Asu, who I know that yeah. you, you've, you've spoken to <laughs> quite a bit. I also like some of the episodic podcasts. Like um, one of my favorites was American Fiasco. Uh, it was um, done by a guy named Roger Bennett, um, who is a uh, moved over to the U.S. from from Britain, a big soccer fan. And it was a whole story about the 1998 U.S. Men's World Cup team, which was an absolute disaster after a really strong showing in 1994, oh, uh-huh. and how it happened. Just the just the drama of, of how that that team dealt with success in 1994, and just it, it just boomeranged on them when they when they went to France in '98, which was a really interesting story. That is really, and I can totally see that. Even your you know market researchers were yeah. you know they're curious people, so you want to know yeah. like really what happened here. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> how did it all go down? Absolutely. Um, so, what about an app? What's kind of your mm-hmm. go to? Or what's a what's an app that's helping you grow or or learn something sure. new these days? You know, t- Twitter's always one I go to quite a bit, um, just because I, I think that the nice thing about it is being able to choose and, and follow different accounts that some of which are market research related, some of which are news and 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 uh, world related, some of which are you know, kind of related to maybe some hobbies that I have and things mm-hmm. like that. That's one I, I, I use a lot. And also, frankly, in a global company, Duolingo is a great is a great app to oh, have yeah. and, uh-huh. and use. Um, I've been brushing up on on German and trying to learn French. Working for Ipsos now, French is probably a good thing for me to know. Right. Um, <laughs> just uh, just an idea. Just an idea. So all roads lead to Paris. So are you reading something interesting right now or or is there just a book that you just kind of always go back to uh, that is, is just been seminal for helping you with your career or personal life? Or what 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 in the area of books would you want to share? Yeah, you know, a, a book that I I come back to quite often is uh, is East of Eden by John Steinbeck. Really? Um, yeah. See, um, now I really know understand. Now I understand why we like each other. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's a novel, right? But but it's it's a novel that is very it's very human. The, the characters are complex. They have good and and bad in them, and that's the whole point of the story. Is is you know why how people's choices have consequences, and that's the whole theme. Is is that you know. You may or may not make a decision to to leave Eden, so to speak, and 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 uh, you know going back to the old Genesis story, but but going through multiple generations of these families and and how people chose to do certain things and the consequences of, of those actions and and how they they overcome them. It's just a fascinating human story. <laughs> you just you know. described every John Steinbeck novel. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Very good point. So good. So good. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah. Very, 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 very human. Yeah. <laughs> we came Absolutely. back to it. I love it. What about blogs? Are you are you still keeping up with blogs or is that not mm-hmm. really in your repertoire for the day? Or yeah, I, I will, I'll read blogs every, every once in a while. Certainly um, people I follow on, on LinkedIn, um, 
yeah, if they if they post something, I'll I'll, I'll read it. Um, a, a guy I used to work with named Ray Luther, who um, works at the Kelly School at Indiana University now. He's he's written some interesting blogs about leadership, which uh, um, which are it's kind of a, a passion of mine, having you know been an officer. And, and Ray had was a was an army officer as well, so we have very similar kind of uh, perspectives. Um, I think. You know, also the Green Book blog. I I, I will read that to, to keep a, a pace of of what some of the client and some of the other um, agency side folks are are thinking. W- one of my favorite blogs, being an ex-military guy, is this guy called the Angry Staff Officer, um, who, who who writes a blog about. Um, sometimes it's a it's a pure blog about about being in the military and some of the pros and cons and the challenges with that. But but he also does some really interesting things where he will write a blog about a Star Wars battle nice. um, fr- from the perspective <laughs> of, you know, if we were doing a, an after-action report on the Battle of Endor from Empire Strikes Back, here's what they did well, here's what they did poorly. <laughs> Number <laughs> one, like, lose the Ewoks. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah Endor would have been, uh, yeah, there would have been uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah. There we go, there we go, yeah. So. Okay, well, just maybe make a suggestion to him can you please have him just uh, readily just deal with jar jar binks please <laughs> can I, we just I dispose think, of that whole <laughs> absolutely i think i think we've all agreed that that's one of the key lessons learned from the second trilogy <laughs> <laughs> the blight the blight on star wars <laughs> other than that i'm all good <laughs> that's right. awesome well tell people where they can find you obviously you're big on twitter what's your handle there twitter handle is at khall71 k-h-u-l-l 71 um and on on LinkedIn, um, I'm actually at Christopher uh, Hull on LinkedIn, which is K R I S T O P H E R, and last name is H U L L. Awesome. Well, connect with Christopher. Obviously, he's got all kinds of wisdom about what's going on in in the MR world. And will we see you out there at shows this year? What 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 might you be attending? I'm sure I'll be out there at, at some point. I know uh, we saw each other at the CRC conference mm-hmm. uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be back in play, and and perhaps. Um, you know, IIEX and and or TMRE uh, and uh, you know perhaps some of the others that are more the on the marketing side as well as the mm-hmm. the inside side. Awesome. Well, Chris, thanks so much for coming on the show. This has been really fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Priscilla. Awesome. From all of us here at Little Bird Marketing, have a great day and happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.